So I'm glad you're here on a morning of technical difficulties. But God is so strong. And he's so amazing. And we're confident in him. I've got a tough message this morning. At least I think it was tough. It was tough to write. Um, One of my favorite passages of scripture, which it's always, for some reason, a random passages from scripture, it's really easy to write a sermon about. And then when you pick what's kind of the core of your life, of a verse that's been speaking to you and casting vision in your heart for, goodness, 12 years, um, it is, uh, it's a little difficult trying to fit that into one little thing. But uh, something I want to promise each of you, I want to promise each of you, is uh, this is going to be a little bit like a five-year-old party. Everybody's going to get a party favor, okay? So I need you to be expectant to receive something from the Lord. This is not a passive thing. Um, when the word is preached, there's something that you receive from it. And so expect a party favor from Jesus. And I would hope that we would all have the grace to apply that party favor. Because what good is a party favor if you don't use it? We had a party for Silas, and we gave out these little whistles. That's not Silas, that's James. Um, we gave out little whistles, and kids were blowing on their whistles all the way home and annoying their parents, and it was perfect. It was amazing. We want to use what uh, favor the Lord uh, gives us today and apply it right away. When I think of immediate application of messages, I think of a roommate I had in college. We were one evening just watching TV. We were slouching on the couch. We looked so horrible, and he was just, he had a Snickers bar, I think it was, and he had a chocolate milk, and he's just sitting there, and it was just the nastiest image ever, but we weren't impressing anybody. We're just sitting around, and a TV commercial comes on with this dude with a six-pack. Now, my roommate, he was an athletic type, And so he was very self-conscious about his body, and he was just sitting there, and he saw this this amazing, let's be honest, I mean, good good six-pack, and he literally just throws his snicker bar, he hands me the chocolate milk, and he said, I'm never having that again! I'm never having it again! And he leaves. He doesn't even stay for the TV program. I think he was doing like crunches or something. I mean, this dude, he literally had a transformative moment where he sees this TV message and instantly he applies it. He's like, here you go. And I was like, dude, where'd you go? I'm drinking your chocolate milk now. And (laughs) what if we treated God's word that way? Where we heard God's word and we were like, all right, I'm done with this then. Oh, I'm done doing that. That would be amazing. That's what I'm praying for today. Apply it right away. By the way, follow up to that story. Um, he asked about that chocolate milk two days later. And I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, let's be perfectly clear here. You handed me a chocolate milk and you said, I am not having this anymore. It's gone. Dude, don't ask for that chocolate milk. It's gone. It is gone. I don't think I touched the Snickers because he already started it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, guys, let's, let's just enter in. Let's just be expectant for what the Lord has to share today. He's got a goodie for all of us, and he loves us. He loves to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. You are stronger than our apathy. You are stronger than our fears. You are stronger than our doubts. This message is a thrilling message. We're going to be talking about 
treasure. We're going to be talking about you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the glory of Jesus. I pray that Jesus would be to us today more valuable than he has ever been. I pray any veil, any covering that would prevent us from seeing the truth of the powerful person of Jesus Christ, that that veil would be torn, that we would see you for who you are, because you are the treasure of the universe, and we love you so much. God, I am completely yours, and I pray that somehow, however imperfectly I do this, Lord, that again you would speak through me, and that our hearts would apply it. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Um, we're in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be in verse 44. I'm going to uh, say it a couple times. And uh, we're going to get into it. You're going to see why I'm so excited. I'm really excited. I'm going to burn some calories today. I got my Fitbit going. So it is this serious. I walk around. I do some, I do some moving just moving and shaking. Matthew 13, 44, listen to this. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then he, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure Hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This chapter is an amazing chapter because God literally has a chapter in Scripture that is dedicated to pictures of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, what is the kingdom like? There are a lot of different pictures that are offered. This is in the category of the, the riches category. There's two that are like this. There's the treasure in the field, and then there's the pearl. I like the treasure better because I just have never been into pearls, and that's okay. Um, maybe you can understand that. But I want to talk about what he does here because it's very interesting. So there's a treasure hidden in the field. This guy finds it. We don't know any backstory. We don't know if he was hunting, if he was digging, what he was doing. But he finds this treasure, and it's interesting. The very first thing he does is he covers it up. He covers up the treasure. Um, we've been uh, in our homeschooling studying the U.S. state, and we've been studying California. California is called the Golden State because there was a massive gold rush in the mid-1800s. 1848, this interesting guy named James Marshall, he's building a mill. He goes to the American River, and I guess he's just washing his hands or doing whatever, and he sees gold. He sees specks of gold. And this guy's like, what? <clears throat> so he, like, scoops it, and he's like, hey, Sullivan, because there's a guy named Sullivan. Hey, Sully, you know, come over here and check these out. And, you know, they have, like, a quotation. He was like, the man was like, there's no way that's gold. And he was like, I know not what else it could be. So he's like, you know, oh, this is gold. So he tells his friends. And he tells his friends, he's like, I think we just found gold. They get it tested. And they're like, yes, this is absolutely fine gold. 
Now, James, Harris, uh, James Marshall, excuse me, he did not keep his yapper shut. And news traveled so fast that within like a week or two, there were hordes of people by the American River in the same spots that he found those specks of gold. And he never profited from the gold. Ever. He died penniless in a tiny cabin like six years after he died. They were like, that guy was kind of important to history. So they set up a monument for him and they put discoverer of gold. And if they were really snarky, they could have put like attainer of none. Because he didn't get any. But this dude attained it. Like he was, he didn't cover it up. He was like, guys, look at this. And then 300,000 people in total came to California during the gold rush. But this dude didn't cover it up. The covering up that this guy is doing of the treasure, he's ensuring that he's going to actually lay hold of it. He's seen the treasure. He thinks it's awesome. He's like, oh, my goodness. And so he's like, let me cover this up. He covers it up because at this point, he's a crazy person. He's a crazy person, first of all, because he's in somebody's field and he's digging stuff up anyway. But he's especially crazy because now he's covering it up and he's going to do something interesting here, which is going to buy the field. Now, it's interesting. The tense changes. It's all past tense. He found, then he covered up. But then it says, then he goes, he sells everything that he has. That includes Pokemon cards. And then he buys that field. Like, he sells everything. He's just like, ah, nothing else matters. I want that treasure. This dude that owns the field, he probably doesn't even know this treasure is there. And this guy, complete 100% liquidation. He is convinced that this treasure that he found is worth more than anything else in his life. He just won the lottery. And he's happy about it. Nobody feels bad for him. He struck gold. And he's not going to be like James Marshall. He's going to cover it up. And he's going to be like. I'm getting rid of everything. And I'm buying this one piece of real estate. Because now I have the treasure. The dude's excited. In his joy. He's like, are you kidding me? I will give everything to have this. If I have this treasure, it's it. So many people think a lot of money is going to solve all their problems. If you found $10 million legally, okay, this is really impossible, but I $10 million legally, you would be pretty excited. You'd be really excited. What's interesting about this parable, anybody can understand it. The most cutthroat pirate from the 1600s would be like, yep. Jesus, I know exactly what you're talking about. Anybody can trek with it. He finds his treasure. And in his joy, he sells all that he has to buy that field. It's interesting. This is a man who is completely and utterly surrendered to this treasure. I will do Anything and everything, if I can just have this treasure. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. I want to talk to you guys about how that applies to us. 
I am terrified that the American church is more in love with the idea of Jesus than the person of Jesus. So much so that the idea that there's anything at all that we would have to give up is just absolutely repulsive to us. And Jesus gives us a picture of what the kingdom is like. And it is this picture of an absolute maniac that is saying, I'm getting rid of everything so I can have this treasure. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is somebody who is so, so convinced in the treasure that they are literally surrendering everything. They're saying, Lord, whatever you want, because it's not hard to figure out. Jesus is that treasure in the field, right? He's that treasure. He's that pearl. He's the the most valuable treasure in all of history. The scriptures say he's the alpha and he is the omega. He holds the keys to life and death. Colossians 1.17 says that he was before all things and he holds everything together. That means your atoms right now, your atoms, your cells, your tissues, your organs, your body are being held together by Jesus Christ. Jesus is the most powerful being and we treat him so lightly sometimes. He's this treasure. He holds ourselves together. And yet he looks at us. And instead of seeing these despicable creatures that sin and that offend him. He looks at us and says. <laughs> I'm dying for you. I want to give you new life. I want to give you new life. I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to be in. And I think of my own life. When I first discovered this verse, I was a new believer and I was wacky. And I'm not blaming that on becoming a Christian. I was just designed that way, okay? Which sounds like I'm blaming God. So maybe I am, okay? I was really crazy. And when I saw this verse, I was like, this is my, this is my verse. Because this is what it's all about. What if this verse is right and the key to your joy is letting go of things, surrendering, and getting this treasure? What if this life, instead of being just a bunch of drudgery where we trudge through, we try to obey God. What if in joy we got rid of all the muck and junk and surrendered to Jesus and got the greatest prize ever that never passes a way that we will enjoy for all eternity. What if that was our life? And so I became obsessed with this verse because I was like, this is joy. Jesus really is this treasure. If Jesus is the treasure, it's jackpot. We hit the jackpot. It's the lottery. You won. Congratulations. 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 We did it. No, seriously. You have eternal life. What? You live forever. That's worth way more than any amount of money. You are so rich. You have so many blessings. 
You are so favored. You are so blessed. You are so cherished. This treasure. This treasure. One of my favorite uh, scriptures that talk about this is from the book of Mark. When Jesus is watching people give in the church. There's an area called the treasury. Uh, Mark 12, 41 through 44. And Jesus sees this widow. And there have been all these rich people that have been putting tons of money in. They're just like, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And this widow comes up. And she takes the most humble, meager coin that they had in ancient Greece. It was a coin called a lepton, but if you had more than one, it was called lepta. She had two lepta, two small copper coins. And she goes up to the offering and she drops it in. And Jesus calls over his disciples. And he's like, hey, come over here. And they're like, what's going on? And he's like, do you see that, do you see that widow? Yeah? She put in more than all the rest. I'm going to read from verse 44. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she contributed out of her poverty. She put in everything that she had, everything she had to live on. On a seemingly insignificant day in the temple, there's a lady that in worship to God, she literally gave it all. She was like, here you go, everything. How's she going to eat? I don't know. How's she, where's she going to sleep? I don't know. I don't know what she's going to do. But Jesus doesn't seem to feel bad for her. And I'm guessing from the parable, she did it with joy. You know one example of somebody walking away with sadness? The rich young ruler. Where Jesus said, hey, give, give all that you have. And he walked away sad. That's called regretting your decision as you're making that decision. Like, that's, that's dumb. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, he was like, he was sad while he made that decision. He was like, this is, a, this is a bad idea. Like, even in his fallen mind, he probably understood he was passing up on the greatest treasure ever. And he went away sad. And the people that give everything walk away with joy. There's joy in surrender. There's joy in surrender. And this morning, we're going to do some surrendering. But first, <laughs> um, I uh, need to make kind of a personal announcement. Um, and what has been um, going on with Samantha and I. And some plans that are coming up. And I don't know why he was okay with me sharing this during a sermon. Because the last time I shared this, I bawled like a baby in front of the leadership team and couldn't talk anymore. And I was like, ah! like Samantha saved me. Um, and I was like, thank you. Um, 
seven years ago, God called Samantha and I to launch a church, start a church plant. And um, it was a little bit surprising because I didn't think that was the direction our lives were heading in. Um, But we fully embraced that, and we were excited. And we went through about a year and a half of really seeking the Lord, uh, getting around some good mentors, um, reading a lot of church planting books, trying to get ready, walking through some hoops with the denomination that we are affiliated with. And nothing opened up. Nothing opened up. Just closed doors all the time. I was really discouraged. So I did what anyone else would do when they're discouraged. I went to family video. Literally, there used to be video stores, even back, isn't that crazy? And like, there was a family video store that people shopped at back in 2011. Okay, <laughs> um, so I went to the video store, and I run into a pastor from the area, and uh, he could tell I was just not having a good day. He was like, what's on your mind? I said, church planting. He said, you have to see me. Let's meet for coffee. I said, okay. I meet him for coffee. We have a long conversation. At the end of it, I say, listen, I was like, I don't even think now is the time we're supposed to do it because every door is closing, and I just think, I just think it's not now. And so he said, well, he said, if you're interested in joining a team, there's this guy named Heath that is planting a church near Wilmington, and uh, he told me a little bit about it. He had a very high view of Heath. And I went back to my van after talking with him, and I wept with joy. Literally, I sat in the seat, and I just wept. I couldn't drive for a long time. Um, Because I finally, I can't tell you the joy that there is when you know what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it. Because then it's just easy as pie. Because then you're just saying yes to the God of the universe. Then it's just cream and butter. The hard part is finding out when you're supposed to go, where you're supposed to go. But... Once you know, there's such a relief. I went home, what, maybe seven minutes of talking about it, and we were both like, we're moving to Wilmington. Because the guy said Wilmington. He he didn't know about Leland. I was like, we're moving to Wilmington. We're going to literally leave everything. Because we were just like, oh, this this is perfect. And when we came here, listen, you guys are like the most amazing family. And Heath and Jody, the most gracious people ever. And um, in the early days of the church, I used to uh, kind of stalk Heath a little bit. I would have my notebook, and I'd be like, he just ordered speakers today. He did this. He did this. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to have to do all this stuff, so I'm going to copy get him. Uh, and then I quit doing that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, our church is uh, our church plant uh, that we're going to be doing, as you might guess from what I'm saying, um, is going to be in an area called Little River, South Carolina. It's an hour south of here. The Lord called us to that area nine years ago on our honeymoon. Um, and, uh, and we are just beyond excited. We are so thrilled about what God's going to do in that area. You might have noticed on your bulletin there's this strange church logo. Um, this is our church. It's called Lepta Church. We're naming the church after the very coins that the widow used because we want to be a biblical community of complete surrender. We believe that a surrendered church is a powerful church, is a church that the Holy Spirit can flow through and that can move powerfully, and that's what this area needs. Um, When we first were called to the area, I didn't do any of the demographic statistics or anything, and then this past year, after sharing the timing with Heath, Heath has known about this for a very long time, um, 
after sharing the timing with Heath, I did the research, and 60% of the population in Little River, South Carolina, say they do not believe in Jesus. A southern town, 60%. And the other 40%, there are Mormons in that group, Jehovah Witness. There are all different types of branches. So the percentage of people who have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ, surrendered to him, who knows what that number is, but it's not very big. And from what we've been able to tell, there hasn't been a church that's been planted there in over a decade and a half. People have planted around the area. This town of Little River is this forgotten town. Because who in the world would plant a church in Little River? I mean, they're not, they're not even 10,000 people. But I look at that area, and I'm like, that's 9,000 souls. That's 6,000 people in a small southern town that say, I do not believe in Jesus. I have never heard of a more unchurched area in my life in the south. And our hearts are breaking for them. Absolutely breaking. Absolutely breaking. Uh, We're going to be launching next year, and you're going to hear more details um, as time goes on. Um, But Samantha and I would certainly covet your prayers because that area, that area is in desperate need, as we all are, as we all are. We all need to surrender. So my question to you guys is this. What do you need to surrender today? If I could have the worship team come forward. Um, What do you need to surrender today? I know we can kind of opt into a general answer and say, well, everything. But that's a cop-out. What's one area that you need to surrender right now to Jesus? So that you can leave here in joy instead of leaving here in sadness. What if I told you you're not meant to carry that burden? What if the treasure already bore that burden for you? What if you could leave here feeling free, feeling light, and understanding that the God of the universe is your treasure? And if you surrender to him, instead of things getting worse, maybe, just maybe, as you're walking in his will, he'll guide you. You'll see that things are way better when you're on his plan. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Lord, I thank you that you are the treasure of the universe. I thank you for your will, for your plan in our lives, Lord. I thank you that you call us to surrender, to give up. And it's not really sacrificing if we get something better. If what we get back is so much greater, why wouldn't we? Right now, just in your own way, in your heart, just surrender that thing to God. And I I didn't give my life completely to Jesus until I was a senior in high school. And I remember whenever a speaker would tell us to do something, I'd just be like... I just bow my head and just do nothing and just relax or think about pizza or 
Think about why the speaker doesn't shave. But seriously, let's just just take a moment and just say, God, what do I need to surrender to you? What do I need to give to you? Because you are you are the greatest treasure. What do I need to give up this morning? What do I need to surrender? Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you would do surgery in our hearts. And that you would make the things that we cling on to slippery so we can't hold on to them anymore. I just pray, Lord, that we would let go this morning. That we would surrender because that's the path of joy. That's the path of joy. We don't want to leave here with sadness knowing that we're burdened by things we were never meant to carry. We want to be free this morning. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's finances, whatever it is, fill in the blank, your workplace. Whatever is going on that you need to just surrender to Jesus right now. Lord, we give that to you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, if we're not giving anything up, please move on our hearts so that we do. You are our greatest treasure, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.